So we're going to jump back into the Christmas story here and really today focus on the birth of Jesus and how that impacts us, what it means, what we can take away from the fact that God was with us, that God invaded our earth as a baby. So to start, we're going to watch a short video here, if we can get that going, just to get our hearts in the right place here. stop and think that that same God who created the whole universe at his word invaded our planet stepped into our world and took on flesh as a babe it is truly astounding let's pray God we thank you for today God we worship you 
We worship you that you came to earth. You took on flesh. You took on the sin of the world. You came into our planet, had a people far from you, and you drew us in. We worship you for that today. We just pray you teach us today how we can learn and how we can approach you and what it truly means that God is with us, that you were born. Orient our hearts today, speak to each of us, and redeem this time together. Amen. Matthew 1.23, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And the fulfillment of that verse changed history forever. That one birth shaped history of our world and time. And when you and I were born, it was a dramatic event in our life. It was dramatic to our family. Some people in our community might have known about it, but it didn't impact our country. It didn't impact the world. 2,000 years after I'm dead, either the Lord will have returned or no one's going to know who I was. It'll be gone. I'll be forgotten. But not so with this baby. In fact, when we write a date, we don't use checkbooks anymore, but if you write the date in your checkbook and you write that year 2019, or if you sign a formal document and put a date on it, we give testament that 2019 years ago something happened and our whole world changed our whole timeline changed to the point where we recognize our time as a time before that day in the stable and a time after and we split our calendar in two today we're just going to look at a few implications of what it means that God is with us specifically around the birth of Christ and the first one about God being with us means that God is miraculous. That video displayed a number of them or highlighted them, but we see throughout time from Genesis 1 to God creating everything out of his word, the parting of the Red Sea, the miracles of Jesus, conquering death, rising from the dead, that God is a God of miracles. He does the miraculous. The laws of science, weather, health, time, death, life, they were created by God and they're under his control. So we'll look specifically at a few miracles of the birth of Christ and around this baby. First, I just think about it's a miracle that God came to a finite time and place and constrained himself in that way. I wrote this verse, 2 Chronicles 16, 9 up there. It says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. As God's up in heaven, his eyes can span the whole earth at one time. He can see what's going on in the whole world. And yet Jesus came to earth and experienced life looking through two eyes and seeing what was in front of him instead of seeing what was everywhere on the whole earth. Jesus was fully God 
But he gave up things. He willingly gave it up and constrained himself. He became finite as a man. I was in a conference in San Diego for works a few weeks ago, and the picture here on this next slide. Afterwards, since it was in San Diego, and we had to rough it there, I brought my family out afterwards, and we spent a few days vacationing, and we're on the beach. There's a picture of my son playing in the sand, and I think my daughters and I are out there, far in the water somewhere, having fun. I don't know about you, when I stand in the ocean, whenever I get there, it's really an amazing thing when you stand in the ocean, feeling the waves moving up and down, feeling the power that's there, just feeling them break over you, looking at the vast expanse and thinking that ocean just goes on for thousands of miles until you hit Asia, seeing the palm trees sway in the wind, feeling the sun on your skin, feeling the sand between your toes, smelling the salt water, hearing the seagulls. There's so many things that go on in that. And Sarah was here taking a picture. And that's good. I come home and I can remember that time. And this represents it. But this picture isn't quite like being on the beach in the ocean, is it? It's finite. It's two-dimensional. It lacks smell and sound. It lacks feeling the power in one sense, it captures the moment, but in another, it's a finite picture of what it's like actually being in the ocean. And I consider Jesus being born and lying in a manger. And I think the whole God of the universe put himself in a finite experience. And I don't think we're going to fully understand until we're in heaven and we see God face to face how dramatic it was that he took on flesh, that he became a baby. For Jesus, being confined to a moment of time, being confined to one place as we are, dramatically fixed him to one location. I even think just being fixed in time, not to go all science fiction about God and time, like he's running back and forth through times, but there's elements of time that God supersedes. I was reading through John 1 this week. Got the verse up there. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning, the Word, speaking of Jesus, already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so in the absolute beginning of what we can comprehend as time, Jesus existed. He was there. He supersedes our concept of time. And we know when it all ends, Jesus will end time. He will end the world. He will return, set up his new Jerusalem, and be enthroned forever for millions on millions of years in heaven. And that same God fixed himself into a human body and experienced a finite lifetime of 33 years that went so fast. God's already given me more years on this earth than Jesus experienced. His life went fast. He felt the moments go by as we do. And so God entering a moment and living it is something profound. God would step into our time and calendar and live and die all within those 33 years. And God constrained himself to a single place. There's something dramatic with that too. 
God created all that we know and see. Going on in John 1, it says, He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. God created all places, all that we can see, all that we can experience. He can hear the prayers of everybody on earth at once. He can see every act of goodness that's going on and reward it. He can see every sin, every way we fall short going on all over the globe at the same time. And yet God constrained himself into one single stable in Bethlehem, to a single place. He was interacting only with the people around him. He willingly constrained himself. He willingly took on flesh. Kind of like that picture was not what it's like being in the ocean. I think God constrained in the flesh while he was fully God and fully man. There was things that's not, that was constrained that's not quite like looking at God in heaven. I have a quote here. It is by far the most amazing miracle in the whole Bible. Far more amazing than the resurrection and more amazing than the creation of the universe. The fact that the infinite, omnipotent, eternal Son of God could become man and join himself to human nature forever. So that infinite God became one person with finite man will remain for eternity the most profound miracle and the most profound mystery in all the universe. Wayne Gruden said that. So God performed a miracle by becoming a finite man. Experiencing hunger, experiencing fatigue, experiencing emotion, experiencing betrayal. All the things we experience. And that verse we started with in Matthew 1 has another profound miracle. It said, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. I think about the more I've lived life, we're going through the childbearing years, and a lot of people in this church are, there's a lot that has to go right to get pregnant and have a healthy baby. And yet there was once the angel told Mary that the Holy Spirit would come upon her and she would bear the Savior. She would bear his child. She would bear the very Savior of the world. And so it came to be that the Holy Spirit placed the baby within her. And at that same time, the angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah and told him that he and his wife that were far beyond childbearing years would also bear a child. And it was so miraculous that he didn't believe the angel and he said, how could this be? And he was argumentative. And so the Lord made him so he was unable to speak until that baby was born. He went mute. And that baby was born to be John the Baptist. It would pave the way for Jesus in his ministry. But also miraculous that God allowed him to be born to his parents in older age. The next slide here. The birth of Jesus was also miraculous by fulfilling prophecy. Greg talked about during the People of the Bible series the chances of one person fulfilling all the prophecies that were surrounding Jesus. And that was incomprehensible. And so 
the odds he reduced it to was one person just fulfilling eight of those prophecies were the same as filling the entire state of Texas with silver dollars, two feet deep, and then drawing an X on one of them, blindfolding you and setting you loose. And the chances that you walk across Texas and pick up that coin are the same as one person fulfilling eight of those prophecies. It's incomprehensible. But we'll notate just a few of them that the birth of Jesus fulfilled, showing that God is miraculous. And the next one there. One is that he would be born of a virgin. That verse in Matthew we read quotes Isaiah 7.14. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. So about 700 years before Jesus came into our planet, it was prophesied that he would be born of a virgin. Something that was never seen and would never be seen again. That God would allow her to bear a child as a virgin. And it was prophesied that he would be in the line of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David. And the next one there, that he would be born in Bethlehem. In Micah 5.2 it says, But you, O Bethlehem, were only a small village among the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. If you think about these, there's some things we cannot control in our life, like where we're born. I was born in Boulder, Colorado. I was born to my parents. I can't change that. I can't orchestrate. I love my mother and father, but I didn't pick them. Even if we have a hard outing, we can't go pick different parents. We can't go pick somewhere else to be born. We accept that. And yet our Lord fulfilled these things. And you could say realistically that he could orchestrate some of the things he fulfilled in prophecy, like riding into town on a donkey. Realistically, he could have controlled that. But I look at these three and just think, it's miraculous that in the birth he was fulfilling prophecy. And that points to the fact that God is miraculous, that he could orchestrate down to where and when and who he was born to. And that displays the miraculous nature of God. Next, God being with us means that God is among us. And we see that in the birth of Christ, don't we? Jesus is the exact likeness of God, fully God, fully man, among us. And it's a remarkable thing that the creator of the universe, who was up in heaven, was up on high looking down, came among us, walked among us, took on the form of a man. Colossians 1, 15 and 16, it says, Jesus Christ is the exact likeness of the unseen God. He existed before God made anything at all. And in fact, Christ Jesus is the creator who made everything. And so there isn't anything we can see or experience or touch that God did not create. Echoing that verse we read in John 1, God created everything there is. And there's many worldviews that consider there's a higher power, or believe there's a creator, or believe that there's an energy that holds us together, there's something higher than we are. But only in Jesus Christ did God invade our earth to offer forgiveness of sin. 
God visited our planet. God came among us. God took on human flesh. It's another quote by J.B. Phillips. It says, Behind all our fun and games at Christmas time, we should try not to escape a sense of awe, almost a sense of fright at what God has done. We must never allow anything to blind us to the true significance of what happened at Bethlehem so long ago. Nothing can alter the fact that we live on a visited planet. And that event changed the course of history forever. God would not destroy the world in a flood again. God would not just blow it up in a fireball consuming us all because of our sin. God would come among us. He would walk the earth. He would take on flesh to be the great high priest taking on the sin and also the sacrifice. Back to John 1. It says, So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. God made His home among us, and God saw our sin problem as a whole world. Each one of us had sinned and fallen short, and He saw the only way to remedy that was to become among us, to become man. So he moved in on the block, or he moved in on the stable pen, as it were, to come among us. Next, God with us means that God is available and accessible. Have you ever felt like God was distant, or God couldn't be bothered, or God had other things to do, and that your own problems were too insignificant, your own life was too insignificant to bother the God of the universe with? I know I felt that way. I felt like, why would God care about what's going on with me or my life? And yet as we consider God coming into our world as that baby, he made himself available. Made himself available to people and to us. So in Luke 2, starting in verse 8, it talks about the shepherds that he reached out to. It says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, watching over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The shepherds were the lowest of the low in society, the outcasts. They were uneducated. They were poor. They were smelly from dealing with the animals. They were dirty. They weren't welcome a lot of places. And yet God sent an angel specifically out to the shepherds to invite them in to go meet the Lord, to go interact with that baby. And I think in our society, we're often reminded we need to look a certain way or act a certain way to be welcome places. You ever seen a sign that says, no shirt, no shoes, no service? There's a certain kind of dress you have to have even to walk into a 7-Eleven and go buy a Slurpee. You have to wear shoes or maybe this sign 
It's a little glary, but to go into the formal dining room at the bottom, it says you need to have jackets after 5 p.m. I know I've gone to a restaurant before where I wasn't dressed the right way and they asked that I didn't go in. An executive of my company gave a speech over video this week to thousands of employees over the company. And instead of being there in person, he picked a group of about 15 HR people to sit in a room with him in the video so that they could look the part and they could act professional and nobody would come in and do the wrong thing in that room so they could look a certain part. Most workplaces have a dress code, don't they? At least you need to cover your tattoos and keep your hair a certain way and wear professional clothes. If you've been in the professional world long enough, you've probably been around long enough to have some kind of HR rep sit down and show you a diagram like this of what it looks like to dress appropriately for your workplace, to fit in. Or just try to go walk into a private country club like this one and just walk in the door without an invitation and you'll quickly feel like without being dressed a certain way and having a certain amount of money and being invited, you're not welcome there. I think we all feel that way all over our society and the shepherds often felt that way. But the angel of the Lord went out to those shepherds and he said there's something profound happening in that stable and you are welcome there. You are included. You are wanted in what the Lord is doing. I think of God also drawing in the Magi. These men were not religious in a traditional sense. They weren't studying in the temple. They likely didn't know the Torah. They were astrologists out watching the stars and knowing signs and patterns in the stars and thinking there was something that could be gleaned from there, maybe even in a religious sense. In Matthew 2, 1 and 2, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod of the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and has come to worship him. The Magi saw the star in the sky. God entered into their world, what they believed, what they were watching for, and he showed them through the stars that I'm coming, I'm invading the world, I'm coming as a baby. And their response was to go worship the Lord. And so he became accessible to those that were far from God religiously. God invited them, spoke to them through that angel, and accepted their gifts at the feet of the babe. Jesus said this, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. And we learn from this that God is approachable. He's approachable to us today. And he will not cast us out as we approach him. The humility of God also strikes me in the Christmas story. God could have picked a lot of ways to come to earth. The scripture indicates his second coming will be more of a grand entrance with him coming in the sky with a dramatic entry and victory to end the world. And clouds opening, I imagine trumpets, I imagine lights, I imagine it being glorious to see him in the sky returning from heaven. And Jesus is fully God and could have entered the world any way he wanted to. And instead he chose a stable. Instead, he chose riding on a donkey to enter in to start his ministry. 
when he could have had a grand entrance. I think of the remade Aladdin movie that came out this year. I watched it with the kids. It's a fairy tale, but it does portray how one man, when he had the option to wish himself to be a prince and make an entrance when he had all the resources at his disposal, how he did it. It shows him riding on an elephant with beautifully adorned dancers, a military presence in front of him, jewels and treasures to be given as gifts, coming down the main street of town, going directly to the temple. I don't think that's too far off how any of us would pick, if we had all the resources at our disposal, how we would enter in. But Jesus declined to use his power in this way, didn't he? Instead, he came to a small, insignificant little town. He could have been born to a queen. He could have been in the grandest castle on earth. It could have been lightning and fireworks. Instead, he chose a dirty and dark stable. He could have been surrounded by every dignitary, every royal family member on earth. And instead, he was surrounded by animals and heard neighing and mooing in the background. He could have had the finest incense and instead smelled animal droppings. And this shows that even though God was fully God, or Jesus was fully God and had every resource at his disposal, he chose an entrance of humility. You know, if we were walking down the street and saw a professional sports player, maybe the quarterback of an NFL team or the pitcher of a baseball team, or if we saw a movie star from a blockbuster movie, or we saw the president of the United States, how would we react? I think this day and age we'd take a picture and want to make sure we got a picture of it and we could put it on social media and get tons of likes. Maybe if you're really outgoing, you'd want to go up and shake a hand and meet the person. A lot of people wouldn't even feel comfortable going up to someone like that. Or even if they did, they might have a security detail around them that they couldn't get close. But in contrast to being someone unapproachable, Jesus came as a baby. We're a few months away from having our fifth baby, and I've learned something this many times in from having babies. People like babies. If you have a baby, people want to walk up and touch the baby. They want to look at the baby. They want to know the weight of the baby and the age and the name and the length. They want to hold them. They're so ugly and innocent and beautiful. It doesn't really matter if that baby was born into royalty or born into poverty. They attract attention. And so if you want to keep people away from your baby, they make these baby cocoons you have to put them in and strap them down in a stroller so no one can get to it. And I wonder if one of the reasons Jesus came as a baby is that that baby was approachable. Even though he was the Lord... The Magi and shepherds could come, approach, and offer gifts and feel welcome to come before him and not be turned away in worship. And so God entered our world in an available and approachable manner. And that extended throughout his life. He invited in the lowly shepherds, the Magi far away, but he also later in his life ate with the hated tax collectors. He cared for the woman in sin, he approached people of other races that were considered to be of lower status. He invited children to himself in public settings. He ministered to women and invited them in when it wasn't socially accepted. 
And Jesus extends that to us today. He has an open invitation to those that accept him. And he's available and accessible to you this Christmas. Hebrews 4.16, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Jesus returned to heaven, and he is truly the high priest, the great high priest, who sacrificed for us, who made us clean before God that we can come before the throne, that we can approach with confidence, without fear that we'll be turned away, we'll be rejected, we'll have the wrong clothing, we'll look the wrong way, we'll be the wrong gender, we won't have enough money. No, we're welcome before the throne of God. And this baby in the stable was God's way of taking a first step to go the extra distance to have a close and intimate relationship with each of us. And what culminated as he died on the cross, rose on the third day, and ascended into heaven. And so this Christmas, no matter where you are, Jesus has said to us, you measure up. You're welcome. This is my body. Take and eat. And he's available to each of us today. He's accessible. So as you celebrate Christmas over the next couple weeks here, keep in focus why we worship and celebrate God with Jesus as that baby this Christmas. It's because of that birth 2019 years ago. It's because God invaded our planet. It's because Jesus made himself available and accessible to us. It's because he will come triumphantly when he comes a second time. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you that you did invade our planet. Something miraculous happened that day when you were born and you took on flesh and you lived out your 33 years on earth. We thank you that you performed that miracle, that you came, that you cared enough about us to come and take on the sin of the world, coming into our world and experiencing hardship, experiencing betrayal, experiencing death, that you could bring us life, that you could bring us into relationship with you. We pray we'd experience relationship with you. Let us come close to you, God. You are available. We might turn our hearts to you and find you this Christmas season. Just pray you'd reveal yourself, you fill us with your spirit, and help us worship you through this season. In Jesus' name, amen.